Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Yes, folks, we're back again, however, for the Wrestling Debate Roundtable. However, I'm your host, the Iceman, Jared DiGirolamo, here on a Wednesday night. However, one seven two four. 444-7044, caller ID number 139925-POUND in the number one. You can join me right now, and who knows who else will stop by this evening here as it is time once again for the big debate. However, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have an interesting debate talking about a certain couple things. However, I mean, a few weeks ago, or should I say last week, however, we talked about the lost federations of the past that include the American Wrestling Association, World Championship Wrestling, World Class Championship, wrestling among others but tonight however i want to talk to you guys however about a debate that really i was wishing that my colleagues mr uh manis himself the phenomenal one gts gerard smith king nwo if you will and miss manis herself the black widow herself michelle lindotts i'm sure would love to hear get their opinions on this too but i'm going to give you my opinions about tonight here. And, of course, you can call in, ladies and gentlemen, and talk to me right now about this. I'm going to talk to you about two certain events, however, let's just say, that happened back in the day of wrestling. Usually we save these uh, discussions for wrestling revisited on Tuesday night. But tonight, I'm going to debate, however, the uh, positives and the negatives about WrestleMania and Starcade. Of course, WrestleMania, as you know, started in March of 1985, of course, in Madison Square Garden, as you know, in front of 20,000 people. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T on that show taking on Ace Cowboy Bob Orton, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and, of course, uh, the late Hot Rod himself, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Of course, Jimmy Snooker was in the corner of Hogan's team at the time. Uh, also on that night, we had Muhammad Ali, the great Muhammad Ali, be a very special guest referee, along with Pat Patterson, the very first ever WWEF, whatever you want to call it, WWF or WWE IC champion. Of course, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura being your commentary team, along with Lord Alfred Hayes and Mean Gene Okerlund as well. But anyway, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, however, as well as Starcade, and uh, we're going to get into this discussion right now. As you know, Starcade began back in November of 1983, but it actually began prior to that with an event known as the Last Tango in Tampa. Of course, Dusty Rhodes working down there in the late 70s, early 80s with the late, great Eddie Graham, of course, along with his son, Mike Graham, and other wrestlers, including Barry Windham. Of course, they used to have outdoor events at the very famous Tampa Stadium, however, as you know, down there in Tampa. Mind you, and they used to do stadium outdoor shows, of course, in the early 80s. But in 1983, ladies and gentlemen, James Crockett Enterprises, along with Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, however, shortly after Georgia Championship Wrestling closed its doors, I believe, or was around for just a little longer, however, they decided to host a big event, however, that would become known as Starcade. It was held, of course, on Thanksgiving night, November 24, 1983, at the legendary Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is just outside the home of our boss, Mr. WCWS, Chad Hinshaw's neck of the woods nearby in Trinity, North Carolina, if you will. And there was quite a card on that night, as you well recall, in more ways than one. And I want to tell you about uh, that very first Starcade right now and who was on that Starcade as well. And then I'm going to tell you the similarities between Starcade and WrestleMania in that very first ever event between the both of them. 
In Starcade 83, you had the Assassins, Assassins 1 and 2, of course. Assassin 1, better known as, I believe, Jody Hamilton, the father of former WCW official Nick Patrick. Assassin 2, I believe, was known as the late Ray Fernandez, better known to you WWE fans as Hercules Hernandez, taking on Rufus R. Jones, the sole man himself of Mid-Atlantic, if you will, and the late, great... uh, Rick McGraw, I believe, however, who I believe was also known as Bugsy McGraw at one time in the Mid-Atlantic Territory in your opening matchup to start out Starcade. Then, in your second match of the night, however, you had Mark Lewin along with Johnny Weaver take on Kevin Sullivan and his partner, uh, Scott McGee, of course, they were managed by the late, great Gary Hart. Of course, Gary Hart would uh, make a very special appearance later on the night, however, for the first of two times on this night, however. But on this night, he would make his debut in the Mid-Atlantic Territory, however, as uh, this was a very interesting, unique tag team matchup. Of course, Kevin Sullivan was just coming into his own. Of course, another guy from Florida, as you know, who used to work down there in the Eddie Graham territory, let's just say, as well as some other federations down there in Florida. However, let's just say, uh, needless to say, better known as Continental Wrestling Federation, or CWF, I believe it was called at the time, uh, made his WCW debut on this event, if you will. But, of course, uh, this would not be a long-term uh let's just say, uh, coming for him. Let's just say it was only a short-term stay, if you will. Uh, Johnny Weaver, of course, would go on to become an announcer later on in the decade, of course, with the National Wrestling Alliance, later on WCW, if you will. Scott McGee, of course, um, needless to say, was a very tough guy in his own right, both inside and outside of the ring. And I believe he also wrestled in some other territories later on in the 80s, including, I believe, World Class Championship Wrestling, if I'm not mistaken, a.k.a. WCCW. Uh, I believe he also had a brief run in the World Wrestling Federation for a short time, a.k.a. WWF, as well as the American Wrestling Association, or the AWA, if you will. But that being said, however, that was your second match of the evening. From there... We go to our third match of the night, however, and it was two guys who actually, in real life, however, had a real dislike for one another and are actually two bona fide Hall of Famers now. Uh, The first, of course, Carlos Colon from the Caribbean islands of San Juan, Puerto Rico, taking on the madman from Sudan, the crazy, wild, eccentric Abdul the Butcher. Of course, Abby the Butcher, as you know, now has a very famous restaurant in the Atlanta, Georgia area called Abby's House of Chinese Restaurant and Chinese Beef and Ribs. It's supposed to be one of the world top-notch restaurants to eat there, if you will. Of course, Cologne, as you know, also uh, has been very famous over the years. Of course, him and Abby the Butcher used to have, back in the 80s, some very intense bloody feud matches in the Caribbean, if you will. And I remember watching some of these as a youngster. And I'll tell you, these guys used to beat the holy bejesus out of each other, if you will. Of course, Abby the Butcher also had some great matches back in the 80s with the late, great Frank Bruiser Brody Goodrich, if you will, also of world-class championship wrestling in the mid-80s, if you will. It was one of the most... uh, Early hardcore legends of his time. Uh, Abby the Butcher now, of course, is in his 70s, we understand. Uh, He has been battling some health issues over the last few years, but still uh, is uh, very much alive today and is a Hall of Famer. Cologne, of course, his sons, Primo and Epico, as well as Carlos Jr., better known to you fans, Carlito, along with his uh, so-called brothers and Carlos Cologne's nephews, uh, Primo and Epico, are now known as the Shining Stars of the Caribbean. Of course, formerly they were known as Diego and Fernando, if you will. However, at one point, Los Matadores, just a few years ago, um, is still very much alive to this day and is actually running a wrestling school down there in the Caribbean, we understand, uh, and training superstars there, including, I believe, his son is an assistant trainer down there, as long with his nephews, however, and all three of them are trying to get back into wrestling right now, but I don't know if they'll be back in the WWE anytime soon. Long story short, uh, this was a very uh, interesting matchup, to say the least. These two really always found a way to, uh, let's just say, get it on with each other, both in the ring and outside of the ring, by beating the holy you-know-what out of each other. Uh, 
Uh, the next match was a tag team match. It was Cowboy Ace Bob Orton along with his partner, Dirty Dick Slater. Of course, Orton, of course, would also be at the very first WrestleMania. We'll talk more about WrestleMania in just a few minutes. Uh, they took on the team of Mark Youngblood, the brother of former NWA uh, tag team wrestler Jay Youngblood, if you will, and his partner, Chief Wahoo McDaniel. Chief Wahoo, of course, a very good wrestler in his own right back in the day. Also a very talented football player playing for the New York Jets, the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, among other teams. Um, he, of course, also had some great battles with uh, Greg Valentine, Ric Flair, uh, among others. And uh, Wahoo, it's just a shame that WWE has never given him his chance to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Because I think this guy would be a bona fide Hall of Famer. I mean, he was a very good football player, as you know, as I mentioned uh, as a wrestler, he was a pretty good uh, tag team guy in his own right and individual champion on his own right. I believe he was United States champion three or four times, and I believe he was tag team champion two or three times as well. It's just a shame that this guy does not get the credit he deserves. He's one of the tough uh, early uh, Native American wrestlers of his time, if you will. He took no got from anyone. Uh, nevertheless, this matchup was very unique, of course. And as a result, you saw the end result of what happened, and that is when Slater and Orn decided to take out their frustration on uh, both Wahoo and, of course, Mark Youngblood. From there, we go to the next match, however, match number five of the evening. Uh, a very unique match there, let's just say, in more ways than one. It pitted... Uh, if I remember correctly, I'm just uh, going over my notes here, so please bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this was a very unique match, however, coming up here, as we will talk about this matchup right now. And it was, I believe, I'm just getting to my notes here now, I believe it was the dog collar matchup involving Hot Rod, Roddy Piper, and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Of course, these two guys uh, had a very serious feud with one another. Of course, it all started in the early part of the summer of 83. Of course, that's when Valentine took the title away from Bound, uh, Roddy Piper, and caused Piper to lose 50% of his hearing as a result of that. Uh, later on, of course, the two of them would go at it once again, uh, this time, mind you, however. And as a result, however, uh, Piper did defeat the Valentine, but did not regain the U.S. title on this night, however. Nevertheless, a very unique match. Of course, these two guys would go on to make history two years later by showing up in the WWF, let's just say, and at WrestleMania number one. Uh, our next match, unfortunately, I was a little out of order on that match. Sorry about that, folks. That was the Third to last match tonight, our next match, however, was Charlie Brown, the man from out of town, better known to you all as Jimmy Valiant, taking on the great Kabuki with Gary Hart. Of course, uh, this was a title versus mask match, if you will. Of course, the rules were simple, however, that if Kabuki could uh, not uh, uh, beat... Uh, Brown, however, inside of 15 minutes, however, mind you, however, he would surrender the NWA Television Championship as a result. However, he did so, however, and unfortunately, Brown, better known to you all as Jimmy Valiant, however, did not have to unmask himself and as a result became the new television champion in more ways than one. Uh, like I said, I mentioned the Assassins, of course, Assassins 1 and 2 were better known as Joey D. Hamilton and Rufus R. Excuse me, Hercules, who at the time were managed by a pretty good manager in their own right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Paul Jones. Of course, Paul Jones recently celebrating a birthday last week. Paul Jones, one of the most very unique wrestlers of his time, trained by Paul Bosch, of course, broke into business at the age of 22. Uh, among some of the people that he managed during his career included Jake the Snake Roberts, Tully Blanchard, Abdul the Butcher, Ivan Koloff, the Barbarian, Ravishing Rick Rude, Ricky Steamboat, of course, uh, superstar Billy Graham, and of course, uh, Manny Fernandez, the Raging Bull. Uh, the last we heard about him, he owns a body shop now in Charlotte, North Carolina, however, and has been running it since 1991, however, uh, let's just say, and let's just say he is a very unique wrestler. Of course, Paul Jones was voted the worst manager in 1986, hired by the Wrestling Observer, but at one time, was the Georgia heavyweight champion, and as well as the television champion, 
and uh, the NWA and Mid-Atlantic Champions Champion four straight times. He also was a six-time tag team champion, once with Ricky Steamboat, twice with Baron Von Ratchke, once with Wahoo McDaniel, and of course, once with the Masked Superstar, better known to you all as Bill Eady, a.k.a. Axe of the WWE Tag Team uh, Demolition, let's just say, back in the day. Uh, we already told you about Roddy Piper and Great Valentine, so we don't need to rehash that. Uh, let us go to our semi-main event here at uh, Starcade 83, ladies and gentlemen. This was a very good match. Again, uh, Ricky Steamboat along with Jay Youngblood, of course. Uh, these two guys, of course, very, very unique in their own right. Of course, they were a really good team back in the day, taking on the team of Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Of course, Angelo King called Mosca was the special guest referee on this night. As a result, Steamboat would capture the fourth of their five title reigns here on this night. However, thanks to a very uh, unique match, let's just say, in more ways than one. And as a result, uh, Steamboat and Youngblood left Greensboro that night, the new NWA World's Tag Team Champions. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, Ric Flair. Yes, folks, the nature boy Ric Flair, however, took on Harley Race in a steel cage match hour for the NWA World Heavyweight title. Gene Kaneski was your special guest referee. So once again, a special guest referee playing a part in Starcade, let's just say, in more ways than one. Of course, Flair earlier that summer had been taken out by Harley Race and his goons, if you will, and almost had his career ended by uh, having a bounty being placed on him, almost of $25,000. As a result, Race, of course, took the title from Flair in June of 83 at the legendary Checker Dome building in St. Louis, of course, due to a controversial pin. Unfortunately, a few months later, Flair came back looking for revenge. He got beat up again and was left laying in a pool of his own blood, so to speak, by Race and his entourage. But it was Roddy Piper along with Rick Steamboat, Jay Youngblood, Wahoo McDaniel, all supporting Flair, telling him to get back up on his feet once again and keep fighting and get back that title that he had one just two years earlier, ladies and gentlemen, for the very first time, however. And as a result on this night in the steel cage match, however, with no interference whatsoever this time by Race's goons. However, Flair did defeat Race, however, right in the middle of the ring of the Greensboro Hall, CM123, inside of 24 minutes to once again hold up the gold and save for the second time in his career, the second of 16 title reigns in front of a pretty loud crowd, let's just say, that he was indeed the man. Um, my thoughts about Starcade, I got to tell you, this was a great whole event from top to bottom. They had some great Hall of Famers on there, including Piper, Valentine, Steamboat, Flair, Race. The list goes on. Uh, like I said, the similarities, however, between Starcade and WrestleMania were very unique, especially considering that two years later, of course, we would see WrestleMania one being held in Madison Square Garden in front of a very loud crowd there. And, of course, we'll tell you what happened there. Uh, in just a few minutes, but let's give you the number again, one seven two four, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 444-7444, caller ID number 139925. This is episode 11 of the Wrestling Debate. Of course, tonight we're talking about the similarities between Starcade and WrestleMania, the very first events ever that became pay-per-view history events. Let's just say I'm your host, the Ice Band, Jared Dijon. Usually we have our two other panelists, the Black Widow, Michelle Lynn Dodds, Miss Madness herself, and Gerard T. Smith, King NWO, the phenomenal one, joining us here. But tonight, unfortunately, they have been detained. Uh, so we will be back with them hopefully next week, however, at some point. However, unfortunately, tonight I am filling in for both of them as I've got the show to myself unless they come on here before the end of the night. Uh, don't forget, we will be on in about 40 minutes with Revolution, 138055-POUND. We will be talking about the latest news. Gerard T. Smith, I understand, has got some big news coming out of that. In fact, he's been in the news desk over the last couple of hours since uh, arriving here earlier this evening, giving us the latest scoop and stories. We will fill, you know what's going on in the world of wrestling, of course. Uh, we also have maybe some surprises for you maybe tonight. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow night you can listen to NWO Wolfpack, 138521. That will begin at 9 o'clock. Of course, Friday night we'll be back with Revolution, of course. That should be a very good show. Of course, we already told you the ID number for Revolution. Uh, Saturday night, folks, it should be a very good show. Of course, we got a double dip for you this Saturday. First at 1 o'clock, uh, 141364, beginning at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Join Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw along with Gerard as they will give you the Power Hour this week. Another great installment. Of course, we will give you the Week in Review and tell you what uh, big events came out of the Power Hour this week. It should be a very action-packed show. And you can join Gerard, myself, and Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw this Saturday, Eastern Standard Time, if you will. 
And uh, don't forget, we will be back at 9 o'clock Saturday night, 138-982 with Attitude Radio with Michelle Lindot and Gerard T. Smith giving you the latest scoop, uh, let's just say, as they will talk about the past week's activities, including Raw, SmackDown, NXT, as well as Money in the Bank and Preview Raw Radio. That will be coming up this Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and the caller ID number is 138744-POUND, but for Attitude Radio, it's 138982-POUND, and the number one, of course, Raw Radio this week will be closing out the 40s in style, and then in two weeks, ladies and gentlemen, yes, two weeks from this Monday, however, beginning at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on the 4th of July, we'll be celebrating America's birthday that day, but we'll also be celebrating our 50th birthday of Raw Radio, so it's going to be a very action-packed show, and of course, that'll be coming up two weeks from this Monday afternoon. Of course, earlier tonight, you could have listened to us on the very much unique show, however, Outside the Ropes. The caller ID number is 141387. Of course, we talked a lot about the latest news and sports and uh, entertainment reviews. Of course, the latest movies coming out. We also talked about the passing of a former actor that just tragically we lost suddenly this past week, better known to you all fans as Chekhov from the Star Trek series, Anton Yelchin the Russian actor at 27 who this past week was brutally killed in a very horrific car accident at his home just outside of Los Angeles uh, Sunday morning. Uh, again, we've been saying all week, and we'll say it again, our thoughts and prayers with his friends and family this week. However, and certainly uh, we grieve or you're feeling right now. Of course, Anton was 27 years old. Of course, he would have been in the new Star Trek movie that would have been coming out next month. Unfortunately, however, that is... Still going to be the case, but unfortunately, that is going to be the final appearance, unfortunately, for Mr. Yelchin, who, as we said, we tragically lost this past Sunday morning. Again, our thoughts and prayers are with his friends and family, and it's just very sad to hear this tragedy, horrifying news uh, that happened just this past Sunday morning. Okay, uh, with that said now, let's go back into wrestling. We're going to talk now about WrestleMania 1, and then we'll give you my thoughts about WrestleMania 1 as well. So let's begin, shall we? Of course, the event was held in Madison Square Garden. 19,120, of course, built or built in the garden. Uh, of course, uh, this is stemming, of course, coming after what had happened just two months before that. However, in February, if you will, let's just say, at the famous war to settle the score, however, of course, 20,000 people packed that night in Madison Square Garden. Of course, two weeks prior to WrestleMania, they had a house show there that hyped up WrestleMania. But, uh... I'll tell you what, every time it seemed like WWE was in New York City in the 80s, however, Madison Square Garden was the place to be, however, whether it be for a big event like this or some house shows, they were always packing the buildings in no matter what, and on this day, this was no exception. I remember watching this as a youngster, and I was very excited, to say the least, about this event, and I'll tell you why as we go along here. Uh, Let's tell you right now the matches that did happen on this memorable show and give you the similarities afterward that happened between Starcade and WrestleMania number one. The very first match, of course, uh, pitted Tito Santana, of course, uh, taking on the executioner, Buddy Rose. Of course, Buddy Rose at one time was a superstar in the AWA, as well as in Portland, Oregon, for Don Owens' company, Portland Championship Wrestling in the 70s and 80s. As a result, he thought he would get a break here in the WWE. As a result, however, he didn't stay very long in the WWE, of course. He only uh, stayed until the latter part of 85, early 86, before heading to the AWA, if you will. As a result, Tito Santana won here with the flying forearm, uh, winning the matchup, let's just say, in more ways than one. Uh, Up next, of course, was King Kong Bundy with Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart, of course, back in the day, of course, was a big name down in Memphis, Tennessee, of course, managing guys like Jerry the King Lawler, as well as feuding with superstars like Andy Kaufman, taking on... Special Delivery Jones, better known to you all as Conor, uh, Conrad Ephraim. Of course, S.D. Jones tragically uh, passed away, however. Uh, a vagina, of course, uh, suffered, a, suffered a stroke, however, uh, that took, a, took him away from us at the age of 63. Uh, he began his career in the early 70s, believe it or not, however. Uh, mind you, for getting into wrestling in the late 70s, if you will, he was trained by Johnny Rods. Of course, Johnny Rods, better known to you all as uh, the trainer of the one-man crime spree, Taz, if you will, the former two-time ECW World Heavyweight Champion. As a result, King Kong Bunny uh, was a very big guy at this point and still is a very much a big guy, uh, staying 6'9", 
460 pounds, however, uh, very tough in his own right. Of course, he made his pro debut in early 1981 World Class Championship Wrestling. Of course, he then went on to uh, bigger things, of course, uh, with uh, the AWA as well as Memphis before showing up in the WWE in early 1985. However, as a result, he would wrestle there for three years. He would then take some time off to do some other things before returning in the early 90s, but it wasn't the same. Uh, he also appeared <coughs> excuse me, in movies and TV, including Married with Children and the Richard Pryor comedy Moving, which was a pretty funny movie starring Randy Quaid as well as Richard Pryor and a very young actress by the name of Stacey Dash. But long story short, King Kong Bunny squashed S.D. Jones here in a record nine seconds with the five count, however, and got the win here. Up next, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Yes, there's a first similarity between Starrcade and WrestleMania. Ricky Steamboat just one, two years before appearing in the very first Starrcade in a tag team match, now was on his own. Of course, as a result, he did not have his partner with him on this day. However, as a result, he went at it on his own. As a result, uh, Ricky Steamboat took on Maniac Matt Bourne, better known to you all as Matt Osborne or Doink the Clown. As a result, Steamboat won the match in four and a half minutes. So, Ricky Steamboat, just two years after fighting a really good tag team matchup with uh, his partner, Jay Youngblood, who sadly, unfortunately, we lost, however, in the summer of 1985 due to kidney failure at the age of 30, of course, uh, was on his own this time. And less than six months after uh, wrestling his final matchup with the Crockett Organization, a.k.a. Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, after nine years, of course, he decided to try his luck elsewhere, however, by going to the other big league of wrestling, if you will, the WWF at the time. And as a result, on his very first night, however, at WrestleMania, however, he took on the artist formerly known as Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne, of course, also known as Big Josh, uh, Doink the Clown, and, of course, Big Baba. He, of course, at one point was built from not far from my hometown of Pittsburgh, PA, from Elwood City, PA, if you will. He uh, also, of course, unfortunately, worked in some other federations. He was trained by, of course, Tony Bourne, if you will, uh, his father, let's just say, which is very unique. Uh, sad to say, of course... Uh, he unfortunately suffered heart disease, of course, after his career was over or late in his life, however, and tragically passed away just three years ago this week, believe it or not, of a drug overdose. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Bourne was a very unique wrestler, of course, in his time. Of course, uh, he was a pretty good guy overall outside of the ring, I heard with some of the fans, however, some people had other opinions about him. Me, I thought I had heard stories different. But nevertheless, this was a very unique matchup between Steamboat and Bourne. Okay, up next, of course, was a very interesting matchup here. David San Martino uh, with his father, Pittsburgh's own living legend, Bruno, 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 Bruno San Martino. Yes, folks, one of my favorite wrestlers, one of the most unique, guy, unique guys you ever want to meet in person, took on the debut of Brutus for the Bar Beefcake with Johnny Valiant, of course. In a uh, very interesting matchup here, of course, this ended up in a double disqualification. Bruno, of course, we know the history about him. At one time, the longest world heavyweight champion ever in WWF history. Johnny Valiant, of course, at one time, the one-time manager of the immortal Hulk Hogan back in the day. However, in the old AWA, if you will, of course, uh, David San Martino was trying to live up to his father's building as being the next great San Martino, but he never really lived up to that building. Unfortunately, he really kind of fizzled out uh, after a brief uh, run in the WWE. Last we heard, however, uh, he is working as a uh, personal trainer now, believe it or not. And at one point, however, he and his father, after uh, got out of wrestling, however, before being put in the WWE Hall of Fame just a few years ago, uh, started not talking to one another, believe it or not, for a long time. And as a result, the two of them had a very strained relationship because of this. <laughs> Recently, I think I heard that they are trying to uh, have tried to work things out and hash things over. Um, as far as Valiant and Beefcake go, I thought they were a pretty unique team back in the day. Valiant, of course, uh, was a friend of my father's, believe it or not. Uh, he went to school with him, believe it or not. He uh, also teamed up with his brother, Jimmy Valiant, and uh, at one time held the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Tag Team Titles, twice. Uh, the first of which, of course, happened in December of, excuse me, May of 1974. The second happened in March of 1979. 
Uh, of course, he began uh, managing in the early 80s with guys like Hulk Hogan, and then, of course, would return to the WWF, let's just say, which without the extra W, however, in early 1985 by bringing in Brutus Beefcake. Of course, later on that year, he would bring in Greg Valentine to join up with Beefcake, and together they would form a unique team called the Dream Team. Speaking of Greg Valentine, that leads us to our next match, ladies and gentlemen. It was JYD, Junkyard Dog, taking on the IC champion Greg the Hammer Valentine with Jimmy Hart again. Jimmy Hart making a very big impact on this show, however. Let's just say in more ways than one. As a result, of course, JYD won the match. Of course, Valentine, of course, was feuding with guys like Tito Santana at this time for the belt, of course. Uh, they would have a very interesting match later on that summer. Of course, Valentine, of course, would go on to win also the Tag Team Championship as a result, however. And needless to say, thanks to a very interesting, unique decision made by uh, JY, or Tito Santana, he uh, helped his friend JYD win the matchup, but not the title, due to some controversy how much Valentine got counted out on this matchup. Valentine, of course, as we told you a couple of years before, had competed with Roddy Piper in that dog collar matchup on this night. He was pushed to the mid-card, however, once again, however, mind you, and as a result, he was once again taking on an interesting adversary in the form of Junkyard Dog, JYD, of course, at one time, better known uh, to all fans as the Dog Man, of course, hanging on guys like Butch Reed back in mid, uh, Mid-South Wrestling in the early 80s, of course, would find his way up to the WWE in late 1984, early 85. Unfortunately, JYD is no longer with us, which is tragic. Uh, JYD, of course, we lost uh, about 15 years ago, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, of a very sad uh, thing. Of course, JYD was on his way to uh, his uh, daughter's high school graduation, and as a result, however, he fell asleep at the wheel and tragically was killed as a result at the age of 45. And that happened almost several, about a good 20 years ago. Needless to say, of course, he was also known to you all as Big Daddy Ritter, uh, Leroy Rochester, Stagger Lee. He was a very big guy in his own right, 6'3", 272, 75. Of course, he always came out to songs like uh, Grab Them Cakes and I Don't Want Bites the Dust. Uh, this was one of my favorites growing up. I'll tell you what, JYD was always one of my top three faves of all time growing up, and I later found out uh, he had more feuds uh, in Mid-South than he did in WWE. Like I said, Butch Reed was one of them, obviously. Of course, I watched uh, some matches of him and Butch Reed on the Mid-South wrestling DVD called Legends of Mid-South. He also feuded with guys like Ernie Big Cat Lad, uh, Kamala, King Kong Bundy, and even Ted DiBiase, believe it or not. Uh, mind you, that uh, culminated with uh, a lose-release town match, which was uh, DiBiase forcing JYD to leave town for 30 days, thanks to Hacksaw Jim Duggan back in Mid-South in 1983. As a result, a very unique uh, matchup between JYD and Greg Valentine. As we said, JYD also a very, very good wrestler as well uh, in more ways than one. Okay, up next, we got a tag match here. It's Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik with Classy Freddie Blassie, the fashion plate of wrestling, if we will, taking on the U.S. Express, IRS, uh, Mike Rotundo, a.k.a. BK Wall Street, and his brother-in-law, Barry, Rotund- uh, Barry Wyndham. Of course, Mike Rotundo uh, was also a member later on in the 80s with a group called the Varsity Club, if you will, and later also known as IRS, Erwin R. Scheister, teaming up with Ted DiBiase, teaming up with his brother-in-law, the former Four Horsemen member, if you will, uh, B-Dub, if you will, a.k.a. Barry Wyndham, who earlier this year, unfortunately, we lost his, I believe it was his father, Blackjack Lance. Oh, yes, it was, in fact, his father. At the time, they were managed by Captain Lou Albano. Captain Lou, of course, would manage guys like the Wild Samoans and George Samuel Steele during his career. Uh, this matchup was all right for what it was. Uh, unfortunately, Blassie played a part and role in this in giving the Sheik and Volkov the victory and giving them the tag victory, much to the chagrin of the fans here. And as a result, the U.S. Express would drop the belts here, but they would regain the belts about two months later in a rematch with these two and hold the belts for about a month or so before the Dream Team, a.k.a. Beefcake and Valentine, would take them off their shoulders in a house show in July, I believe, or early August of 1985 at the Spectrum Believe it or not, there in Philadelphia, PA, the home of Big Diesel, Gregory Kramer's neck of the woods. And as a result, uh, the two of them would be chasing the Dream Team for the rest of 1985 into early 1986. Unfortunately, uh, Rotundo would not return to the WWE 
Following this, however, at the end of 1985, I believe early 86, along with Wyndham, until the late 80s, early 90s, of course, Wyndham would come back at some point, uh, play a role in the early 90s at some weird angle. However, with the WWE calling himself, uh, I forget what it was. It was some weird gimmick. It was, I think it was some psycho gimmick, but as far as Rotundo goes, of course, he would return in the mid-90s to form a... Uh, Tax guy calling himself Erwin R. Seistry would also go on to become a member of the Varsity Club with Rick Steiner and Kevin Sullivan in the National Wrestling Alliance, as well as a member of the famed NWO New World Order stable as Mr. Wall Street, a.k.a. VK Wall Street, in the mid-90s as well. So that's what I thought of the match there. Okay, um, match number seven, ladies and gentlemen, was another unique match. Andre the Giant taking on Big John Studd, two big guys now, right, of course, the Giant standing 7 feet 4, 500 pounds at this point. He wasn't quite 500 yet, but he was about 470, 480. Uh, Stud standing 6'9", 6'10", about 340, 350, with Bobby the Brain Heen. Of course, Bobby the Brain Heen making his WrestleMania debut here. Uh, Big John Stud, of course, uh, one time, as I already mentioned, is from Pitts, near Pitts, or, in eastern middle state of Pennsylvania near uh, the city of Johnstownville, but I heard other people say he was originally from Butler, Pennsylvania. The stakes were simple in this matchup. However, if Andre lost, however, he would be forced to retire. Uh, the matchup was for $15,000 in a body slam challenge. As a result, Andre picked up Stud, of course, and slammed him. Of course, two years later, we would see what happened to Andre when he took on Hulk Hogan, his former friend, if you will, now bitter enemy. Of course, Andre, the following year at WrestleMania, would go on to win the Battle Royal, however, the very first ever Battle Royal in WrestleMania history. But on this night, Andre was in the third-to-last match of the night, taking on the big man, Big John Studd, his former rival, if you will. And uh, as a result, he would slam him, winning 15 grand in the process as well. Uh, from there, we go to our semi-main event, if you will, of course. It was Wendy Richter with Cindy Lauper taking on Lalane Kai t- with the Fabulous Moolah. Wendy Richter and Cindy, of course, came out to girls just want to have fun. Of course, uh, these two were very unique of their time. Cindy Lauper, of course, recently, I believe, I think it's today, if I'm not mistaken. I think it is. I'll just double-check my notes here as I'm looking again here. And it is indeed today, yes, Cindy Lauper, the one who used to sing uh, songs like Good Enough For Me, The Goonies Theme, and of course, uh, She-Bop, of course, uh, mind you. A very unique wrestler and fellow wrestling fan and famous singer, of course, who began her career in 1977. Of course, in 1991, she got married, of course, to David Thornton and was also matched at one time by the... Very uh, successful Dave Wolf, if you will, however, mind you. In fact, I'm looking right now. She began her career, however, in 1979, however, believe it or not, after apparently two years before she damaged her vocal cords and took a year off from singing. She was told at that time that she would never sing again, however, but somehow, someway, she met saxophone player John Turi for her manager, or her early manager, I should say, Ted Rosenblatt, before Dave Wolf. And within six months, however, she was back singing again, however, mind you. And in 1982, she and Wolf, of course, uh, began to uh, record uh, music history, shall we say. Her first song came in uh, late 1983, early 84, with She's So Unusual. But by 1984 and 85, with songs like She Bop, Girls Wanna Have Fun, and Time After Time, however, she became more successful. Uh, Wendy Richter, of course, a Hall of Famer in her own right, of course, a very unique champion in her own right, too. She, of course, is 54 years old. She, uh, of course, uh, held the WWE Divas title at the time, the very first ever Divas title, and feuded with the Moolah over the title, mind you. <coughs> Excuse me. She began her career at 18, believe it or not, uh, by training at Moolah School by Lalane Kai. And she teamed up with wrestlers Julie Martin and Joyce Gable, Rabel, excuse me, in 1979. She then also teamed with Moolah in 82 against Velvet McIntyre and Princess Victoria. Uh, of course, Richter was there and played player with Joyce Grable. However, in 19, late 84, 85, however, due to a controversial decision, however, mind you, uh, some people say, however, that Mula never should have lost the title. However, despite holding the title for the longest time ever, 28 years, however, Richter did defeat her at the brawl to end all in July of 84. 
Unfortunately, by the end of 84 into 85, Howard Mula was upset and irate, and as a result, she decided to bring her protege student, if you will, Lalane Kai, into WrestleMania to take out Richter and Lopper. Unfortunately, Howard Richter had a final laugh to say on both uh, Mula and her student, let's just say on this night, along with Cindy Lopper, and as a result, they were celebrating here on this night was Richter and Lopter, and girls were indeed having fun on this night, let's just say, as they regain the WWF Women's title. So, there you go. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, of course, the big main event we already talked about, and we'll mention it one more time, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T with Jimmy Snuka taking on Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff with Cowboy Ace Bob Warren, of course, Muhammad Ali, the special outside enforcer, Pat Patterson, the inside enforcer, Hogan and Mr. T won after a mistake by Orton hitting Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, uh, cost Piper and Orndorff the matchup, and as a result, Hogan and Mr. T won the match. So there you have it, folks. Uh, the similarities, again, are very unique, of course. Uh, Orndorff, Cowboy Bob Orton, excuse me, not Cowboy, uh, not Orndorff, Cowboy Bob Orton, Roddy Piper, uh, Greg Valentine, Ricky Steamboat, uh, four of those guys right there, folks, actually competed in the very first ever WrestleMania, mind you, that happened in March of 1985. As a result, however, uh, let's just say it was very unique, of course, uh, to see all these uh, guys on the card. Of course, as we mentioned, of course, some very, very special uh, things happening on that particular night. Of course, uh, we already told you about the commentary team and the announced team, but... Uh, not only that, we also had some very special celebrities in this uh, particular show, and this is where uh, Starcade was a little different. WrestleMania was a little different. The first WrestleMania was a little different than Starcade. Uh, you had Liberace be the special guest timekeeper, of course. You had the Radio City Rockettes, of course, uh, play a part in welcoming, uh, of course, the very special uh, ring announcer, the late great Billy Martin, formerly of the New York Yankees. You had Muhammad Ali and, of course, Pat Patterson, the first ever IC champion, both the inside and outside official. And like I said, it was it was quite a crowd that day. I mean, you had 19,120 fans. Of course, the tagline, of course, on this show was called the greatest wrestling event of all time. Uh, I would have to say it was. There's no question about it. I think it was. Of course, this was for the WWE at the time. And, of course, uh, you had the name of Flair for the gold for Starcade 83. So, from my opinion, I would have to say without question, WrestleMania was a lot better than uh, Starcade, if you will. I mean, they had a lot more big-name celebrities. They had a bigger crowd. Obviously, they had a lot more of a big building. Not to say Greensboro is that bad of a building, because Greensboro is a very unique uh, city, and they're building the legendary Greensboro Coliseum. is a very unique building. I mean, it's been around since the early 60s, of course, Madison Square Garden has also hosted so many things over the years. Of course, uh, a lot of people know that uh, that it's just become a very, very unique facility. Of course, the ACC Women's Tournament Greensboro has been there since 2000. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes back in the late 90s also was held there in 1974. You also had, uh, mind you, the NCAA Men's Final Four being held there. And since 1967, believe it or not, until I believe just this past year, last year, however, uh, you used to have the ACC men's basketball tournament there. So a lot of events have been held there in the Greensboro Coliseum over the years. No question about, of course, it seats, um, as I'm looking here, I'm trying to find here right now, over 20,000 plus fans, close to 25,000 people. But on this night, back in November of 83, uh, it hosted over 17,000-plus fans, whereas in MSG, you had almost 19, close to 20,000 people pack into the garden to see history in the making. And indeed, it was a very history-making event. Um, some other things, uh, real quick, to let you know uh, the difference, however, between the two, as we mentioned, of course, uh, we already told you about uh, what happened with race and flair and how that all feud took place, but let's give you a little bit of a backstory about what happened between Hogan and Piper that led up to this matchup. Uh, real quick, uh, of course, Hogan and Mr. T, or excuse me, uh, yes, Hogan and Mr. T, of course, uh, actually began teaming up. However, prior to this, however, just a few weeks before, uh, it all started, of course, at the war to settle the score event, of course, and as a result, however, the 
story began when the two uh, faced off with each other in February. Uh, prior to WrestleMania, believe it or not, however, on the show Hot Properties, however, Hulk Hogan put host Richard Belzer into a front chin lock, and as a result, Belzer fell to the floor unconscious and began to bleed as a result of this. As a result, however, mind you, his injury required eight stitches because of this, and then Belzer later sued Hogan for over $5 million because of this, but they would later settle out of court. Uh, another similarity, however, that's unique, however, that the night before this event, however, on Saturday night's main event, or excuse me, Saturday Night Live, I should say, Hogan and Mr. T were the very special guests hosting the show. Of course, Saturday night's main event, that's what I'm going to get into now. Uh, oddly enough, of course, mind you, um, we would actually see uh primetime show, the utmost importance, of course, the show that became Saturday Night's Main Event would debut a few months later. Also, uh, some other things to tell you about, of course, uh, three months after the show, as we mentioned, Greg Valentine will lose to Tito Santana in a brutal cage match. Also, we mentioned Nikolai Volkov and the Sheik will lose the titles back to the U.S. Express. Meanwhile, however, after Andre the Giant defeated Big John Studd at the show, Studd would form a team with King Kong Bundy, and the duo would face Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, of course, Andre and Hogan, who would later, two years later, would find a fight in front of 93,000 people at the Pontiac Silverdome at WrestleMania three. Of course, uh, were somewhat friends at this time. However, prior to uh, prior to this, during this time, uh, a few years before that, of course, in 1980 in New York at Chase Dean, the two of them went one on one. This is, of course, when Hulk Hogan began his career in the WWE the first time. Uh, Hogan, of course, standing a brutal six foot nine, 330 pounds, mind you, while Andre was seven feet four, 450. Of course, uh, Hogan was then managed by Andre, excuse me, not Andre, classy Freddie Blassie, of course. Hogan, of course, would then leave the company shortly thereafter due to some issues between him and Vince McMahon's father, Vince McMahon Sr., of course, Vince Sr., telling Hogan not to film Rocky III and Russell at the same time. He kind of ignored that rule. As a result, Hogan would then uh, later become friends with the two people who would later play a part in his life, Mr. T, of course, teaming up with him here at WrestleMania 1, and, of course, actor Sylvester Stallone, better known to you all as John Rambo or Rocky Balboa or whatever movie character he's playing, mind you. And as a result, uh, the three of them would uh, all-star in the 1982 action-adventure Universal Pictures box office boxing hit Rocky III. Um, also in late 1985, ladies and gentlemen, Wendy Richter will lose the WWE World's title again, however, in controversial fashion. She wrestled a masked female wrestler known as the Spider Lady. The Spider Lady turned out to be Fabulous Moolah, and as a result, this was later called a uh, screw job as a result of this. And as a result, however, Moolah regained the title once again, hold the title for about two years while Richter would leave the company because of this and was irate at Vince McMahon himself, not Vince McMahon's father, who tragically, unfortunately, passed away prior to this, however, by Vince McMahon himself. She would not return to the WWE until just a few years ago when she found out she would be going into the WWE Hall of Fame. And finally, one other story is we're going to wrap it up here, however, to talk about the Piper, uh, Mr. T's storyline, however. Uh, in February of 1986, on Saturday night's main event, Hulk Hogan accepted a challenge on behalf of Mr. T to face Orton, however, Cowboy Bob Orton, in a matchup that uh, was a boxing match. After Mr. T won the match, Orton and Piper brutally attacked and leading to a matchup at WrestleMania 2 between Mr. T, Piper, and Orton, and as a result... In the second WrestleMania, however, Piper and Mr. T got their hands on each other one more time. Only this time, however, Piper would be disqualified, however, for brutally attacking Mr. T. At the time, had his cornerman, uh, Smokin' Joe Frazier, who, of course, would appear also at a WCW event, Starcade, back in 1984. And the Haiti Kid, if you will, uh, costing, let's just say, Piper the matchup. As a result, Mr. T later said, and Piper said in interviews many years later, that Mr. T was a guy that was hard to work with. He was uncontrollable at times and had a temper both inside and outside of the ring, just like his character uh, in real life. Unfortunately, talking about Mr. T, is now a Hall of Famer. Piper, of course, as you know, recently, about a year, year and a half ago, sadly, we lost uh, suddenly last year, I should say, about this time a year ago, recently about a year ago. And as a result, however, this was a very, um, like I said, however, this was very unique. But nevertheless, however, 
If you've never seen um, the true story of WrestleMania or even the best of Starcade on DVD, The Essential Collection, and how Starcade started, you owe it to yourself to watch both of those. I think they're both great DVDs. I have them in my collection personally, and I'll tell you, they're very, very interesting to watch. But as I was saying, however, getting back to uh, Starcade and WrestleMania and talking about WrestleMania 1 again, about Piper, Orn, and Mr. T, uh, these three guys just really never clicked, if you will. They never got along. And it's too bad because I think uh, had they gone along, I think they might have been doing a little bit more business. But, oh well, what do you expect? Uh, but like I said, uh, definitely uh, one of the bigger surprises of this show not only was, uh, like I said, the Divas title, how it reminds you, but the whole uh, main event thing and, of course, the also $15,000 slam challenge match, of course, and, of course, Probably one of the fastest pinfalls ever. In fact, however, uh, in a recent uh, poll that was conducted three years ago by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, however, the MSG Network uh, aired a special, I believe it was back in 2011, yes, it was indeed 2011, titled The 50 Greatest Moments in Madison Square Garden History. Uh, this event here, oddly enough, however, is ranked in the top 10 at number 5, believe it or not. So you talk about a very unique historic event and also uh, what kind of history it brought to the Garden, how and what it has brought to the Garden over the years, however, this is one of them. And, of course, uh, the matchup that everyone talks about still to this very day, as we mentioned, of course, and we've said it already twice, and we'll say it one more time, obviously, was the big main event involving Hogan and Mr. T with Jimmy Snuka taking on Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Cow, Mr. I almost said Cowboy Bob. I meant to say Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with Ace Cowboy Bob. Orndorff. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. Well, we're going to cut out a little early tonight, unfortunately, because uh, none of our colleagues could make it tonight. Uh, we're very sorry about that, but we're glad you could listen to me, and hopefully you learned some stuff tonight from me. And we will be back in the ring very soon. Of course, next week we'll be back with episode 12, 1724-444-7044. Caller ID number 139925. Uh, we will be on in just a little while with our third show of our triple stack header here tonight with Wrusting Revolution. The caller ID is 138055. Dan T. Smith is right now getting out of the newsroom shortly and getting ready to prepare some stuff at the news desk. So we will be getting you set up for that here shortly. I uh, just want to thank you for listening tonight. This is the Iceman, Jared Girolamo, and I uh, want to thank you for listening tonight. And as always, God bless. Have a good night, everyone. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll check you on the flip side. Have a good night, everyone, and so long from ringside. Good night, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.